When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Home Run Apple Sources Minor League Podcast. I am Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Lavin and Thomas Henderson. How's everyone doing this week? Doing all right. Doing good. Good, good. Good, all right. So, promote extend trade this week. In 1965, Satoshi Tajiri was born. And he's the guy that created Pokemon. Mm. So, what Pokemon starters are we going to promote, extend, or trade? And we have Charmander, we have Squirtle, and we have Bulbasaur, the original three. I, I'm i going to get pilloried for this. Um, not my favorite set of starters. Possibly because my parents didn't let me play Pokemon until Gen 3, I think, because the first game I played was Sapphire. Mm. But I don't know, I just never never loved any of the OG starters. Gen, Gen 3 Pokemon are just, just the, the peak IMO, but I'm sure people have different opinions on this. <laughs> My opinion is when that's when it all went downhill. Really? You know, I never. That's when I stopped playing, so... Oh, I see. Yeah, I have no clue of anything... After Pokemon Gold. I think Blue is the last that I remember. I did play the recent one on the Switch. The, uh... Not the most recent one, but the open world one. Uh... I already forgot the name, which was enjoyable. But, like, yeah. I have less, uh... Less uh, insight here than usual. If you asked me when I was a kid, I'd be promoting Charmander, but I stopped using. Like I, I never use grass types like the starters ever. So sorry, Bulbasaur. I still love yeah. you. <laughs> uh, it's just I never. I, I I would just not really use grass type Pokemon really at all. But I always use Charmander. And then I would figure out the water type later. But then I started, when I got older, using the water starters because surf is always necessary and all that stuff. So I would now choose Squirtle. I'm also going to get rid of Bulbasaur because... I just, I just never used any grass. I think I'm trying to remember if I ever picked a grass type starter. And I just never want to. I always liked Sceptile. Again, going back to Gen 3 here. My my the, my favorite Bulbasaur thing is, and I remember this from the, I think it's the Mewtwo 
movie um, where all the Pokemon are standing there shooting something or other. And Bulbasaur is just standing there vibing because he has nothing <laughs> to shoot. Yeah. Right. What's he doing? And there's there's usually it's usually posted with some flavor text like what's he doing his best. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't dislike Bulbasaur by any means. It's just I feel like the utility of grass type Pokemon are very minimal because if I want to beat a water gym, I'll just use an electric type and call it a day. Why I don't really have a need for many grass types. That's really why I trade them. Like, basically, you ask me across the board, and I'm trading a grass type. Yeah, that's probably fair. Grass is just weak to, like, a million things, too. Yeah, it's, uh, like, you're going to run into the fire gem, and it's going to just totally beat your ass. Like, you, you might as well not even have Bulbasaur in your party, or whatever it is at that point. I don't remember where... I think he's the middle of the game, the fire type guy. So it might be Venusaur. It might be uh, maybe it's Venusaur, but then I'm not sure. But definitely Venusaur because the fire gem was Cinnabar <laughs> Island, which is like the second to last one. Oh, he's that late. I don't, I honestly don't remember. It's been yeah, so long yeah. since I played the first generation games. I just remember because of course the the missing no trick. Yes, that's fair. <laughs> I also remember I, I had yellow, and let me tell you, that's not for little kids, because my ass did not understand how to beat Brock with Pikachu. <laughs> now I could do it. Like, I kind of want to go back and play, because I still have all my Game Boy Color versions. I kind of want to go back and play yellow, just to see what it's what happens, because I never really figured out how to get past the beginning. Because apparently you could catch all the starters in that one. It probably doesn't work. I would assume that like the internal battery is probably dead at this point. Let let me dream. It's okay, in my po- it, yeah. It's in my little Pokemon <laughs> carrying case that I had when I was a kid. Like it's like a zip, kind of like a, it looks like a lunchbox. You nice. can also a hundred percent get an emulator. Oh yeah, I just play on my PC on my, my yeah my yeah, my absolutely. gaming laptop that I record on. Yeah, I'm sure I could. I'm sure it could handle Pokemon Yellow, but. Your, your graphics card can't handle Pokemon Yellow. Um, <laughs> um, I think we got some other problems here. You're not still using a Commodore 64? <laughs> Sorry, my Windows Vista wasn't... Honestly, that would also run Pokemon Yellow, so... Windows 3.1. <laughs> oh, the Windows 3.1, I have to say, has the best opening. That's the one that does, like, the ta-da noise, which... I prefer much, much, much prefer over the other Windows noises. I had XP forever. It took, I so I'm an XP truther. Oh yeah, I, I hear that. I have no idea what window. Uh, no, that's not true. The only the only reason I know that sound you're referencing, Steve, is because I listened to a podcast about uh, how they did the sound design for the more recent Windows startup sounds, and I think they referenced the. Da-da. Otherwise, I would have no idea what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> this, yeah, we are very, uh, we, we, we go down to the dark, uh, nitty gritty details here in this podcast. I will, I will once again blame my parents for that one because similar to how they didn't let me play Pokemon, they didn't let me have a computer either or a, con- a gaming console. So, 
by the time I had uh, we had a computer in the house, we were well past Windows 3.1. Yeah, uh, uh, jokes on them now because I spend all, all my free time playing games anyway. So um, <laughs> that really backfired. I'm totally not playing Stellaris in the background while we uh, sit here. You were not alive when Windows 3.1 was like a thing, so no worries. <sighs> All right, um, <clears throat> so we'll take a look now at the Mets affiliates. Uh, Syracuse Mets, they played the Buffalo Bisons this week. They went 3-2 and two against them. Uh, last game of the series is being played right now as we're recording. Uh, Buffalo's winning 42. It's the top of the ninth, so Buffalo's most likely going to lose. Um, if Syracuse somehow comes back and wins it, though, this is going to be their second series that they would win. And if they do lose, we could still be positive and say that, you know, this is the second series that Syracuse did not outright lose because it will be a split 3-3. So we got to look at the positives here because they are far they are far and few in between when it comes to Syracuse. The last time Syracuse actually won two series in a row was, was the middle end, uh, to end of June, which is pretty crazy. It's been two months since they won two series back to back. Is that good? I don't think that's good. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, for all the fun stuff happening in the Mets system now, it has not translated to Syracuse. <laughs> no. Uh, they are 19 and 29 now, possibly 19 and 30 if these trends continue. And that is 10 and a half games back in the International League East. But they're not in last place, so we have that. Binghamton Rumble Ponies. They are playing the New Hampshire Fisher Cats right now. They are four and one on the week. Uh, the last game is being played right now. It's in a rain delay, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, Somerset Patriots are in first place. They also have gone four and one this week uh, against the Yard Goats, and both teams are actually seven and three in their last ten. So unfortunately, even though uh, the Rumble Ponies had a good week. They are not making up any ground in the, in the standings. They came into the week two and a half games back. And as of right now, they are 26 and 23, two and a half games back. Um, silver lining, though, and I didn't really realize this until about a week ago, is Somerset did win the first half, and they're guaranteed a playoff spot. And according to the minor league baseball rules, if they happen to also win the second half, that playoff berth goes to the second place team. So, in effect, Binghamton basically is in first place for as long as Somerset is in first place. Um, so that's good. Uh, the Portland Sea Dogs are in third place. They are a game behind Binghamton. And Portland and Somerset play each other next week. So, really, regardless of what happens, Binghamton is going to benefit from that. So... Good for Binghamton. The, Hooray! Yeah. The Cyclones played the Asheville Tourists, and coming into the week, Brooklyn was tied with the Jersey Shore Blue Claws in first place in the South Atlantic League North. Um, the Tourists were in last place in the South Atlantic League South, and then the Blue Claws are playing the Blue Rocks, and the Blue Rocks are last place in the South Atlantic League North. So, you know, neither team had an advantage. They're both playing... Last place teams in in those two divisions. Um, 
Brooklyn is four and one so far in the week. Oh, actually, no, they are four and two. The game that they were playing today just ended. Uh, Asheville won eight to eight to one. So Brooklyn uh, went four and two. Uh, the Blue Claws they went two and three. I don't know the status of their game right now. Um, so Brooklyn does have a little wiggle room to work with. They are thirty-two and twenty-two right now. Uh, the Jersey Shore Blue Claws are at the very least thirty and twenty-three, and pending the outcome of whatever their game is. So Brooklyn has two-game lead, possibly one and a half game lead, uh, possibly one game lead, depending again on what goes on with that Jersey Shore game. Um, Brooklyn is going to be playing Greenville this upcoming week. And the Blue Toys are going to be playing the Aberdeen Ironbirds. Those are both sub-500 teams. So, again, neither team has a clear advantage for uh, their opponents for next week. St. Lucie Mets, they played the Dunedin Blue Jays. They went 1-5. and five. That leaves them at 16-38 and 38 on the season. They have Magic Elimination number 4 now. <laughs> Not that St. Lucie had any chance of... You know, remotely sniffing the playoffs, but, um, you know, the inevitable is almost here, I guess. And I'm truly depressed about our single-A affiliate not making the playoffs. Woe is me. <laughs> Etc. Yeah. I mean, I guess if they were closer, mm-hmm. it would be a little sadder. You know, mm-hmm. Brooklyn doesn't... Brooklyn makes the playoffs, like, okay, cool, I'll go to a playoff game. Binghamton wins and, and goes to the playoffs, well... That's still kind of far. I wouldn't go just because, you know, on the spur of the moment. But it's also double A, so it kind of, like, means something. Because you have, like, guys that are closer to the majors or whatever. Same thing with triple A. But St. Lucie's so far away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Single A is so far away. It's just like, eh. Are you, t- are you telling me you didn't go to uh, see the FCL Mets in the playoff game that they played? No, um, I, I couldn't take the day off, unfortunately, <laughs> and uh, make the drive. But yeah, the FCL Mets, um, they ended their season with a 32-18 and 18 record, so they clinched a playoff berth. And they played the FCL Braves in a one-game contest to see who would go on to the championships, and unfortunately they lost. They lost 7-1, to one, so um, yeah, it wasn't really a competitive game. It started out competitive, but then in the fourth inning, the two FCL Mets pitchers, they combined to allow six runs, and, you know, six-run hole, it's kind of hard to dig yourself out of, and that's basically what happened. They couldn't dig themselves out of that. They managed just one run. Uh, Ronald Hernandez, he drove in a run in the sixth on the ground ball, but that was basically it. And then the Braves went on to beat the Yankees in the Florida Complex League Championship Series, so... Boo, Braves. But then if had the Yankees won, boo, Yankees, so... There's no winning here. Yeah, no, there's no winning. It's like 2009 with the Phillies and the Yankees. It's just doomed either way. All right, so... This upcoming Friday is September 1st, which is crazy. The year's almost over. The baseball season is almost over, like... What the hell happened? Time flies. Yeah, yeah. But the the rules for September call-ups and all that kind of stuff, they are not the same like they were in years past, where basically a team could add, you know, 
X amount of players, whoever they wanted. And that was always fun because then you'd have like designated runners, you know, Billy Hamilton could just do his thing and you don't need to worry. You'd have defense only outfielders, all kinds of defensive switches, all kinds of relief pitchers. Now you can't do that no more. Um, the 26 man roster expands to 28. And that also comes with the condition that you can have no more than 14 pitchers. So as of right now, the Mets have 13 pitchers on the roster. So when the rosters do expand, they will be eligible to either add two position players or one position player and then one pitcher to bump that, you know, number from 13 up to 14. So who are you guys adding? Uh, Who wants to go first? No, the the first guy I'm going to say then, I think it's just silly that he's not on the roster right now, is Brett Beatty. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not really lighting the world on fire. You know, he's currently 15 to 64 in 14 games with them. Two doubles, five home runs, seven walks, 14 strikeouts, which is decent. But at the same time, we know, you know, uh, the International League is kind of crazy right now. But all that aside, you know, nothing that he does uh, right now in the you know, two week, three week span, whatever it is that he's been, is not going to change him as a player. You know, he, we know he needs to hit the ball in the more air in the, the, he needs to hit the ball in the air more. We knew this before the season, you know, during the season, and it remains something that it still needs to be done. And I, I guess it was not a good situation for him to be struggling and, and, you know, I, I guess that could kind of put you in a funk that makes things even worse. So maybe going to Syracuse for a couple of weeks is a nice refresher. I don't know. I mean, I don't I think have a question. Why um, didn't they just put him on the IL and let him kind of take a break? Service like, time. Mm. Uh, well, yes, exactly. Like that, they they want to claw back the year, but like that would have been the same. You know, like, mm-hmm. just let him kind of chill. Like, I understand him needing a break. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually did need a break Yeah. from from the major leagues. Like, it just looked like it was getting to him a little bit, which is, like, be nice. But, of course, that's not what these teams are there for. <laughs> you mean you wouldn't want an all-expenses-paid trip to Syracuse? <laughs> the, the jewel of, of the Rust Belt? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think there is an argument that I mean I should pull up his fangraphs page before talking out of turn, but it's not as if this is not a uh, a Ronnie Mauricio situation, right? Where we have a player with an obvious flaw who has had extensive minor league time to correct it and show no progress, right? Like Brett Brady, even after even accounting for his recent stint in AAA has played less than 30 games at the level, right? Like, they pushed him pretty fast. Um, Rightfully so, I think. Like, it was a reasonable decision to make. Um, That said, he has... I mean, this this happened at double-A, too. He got there, took a little bit of time to adjust in terms of pulling and lifting the ball, figured it out, and then started pulling and lifting the ball and, and blasted the level. I don't think he ever had time to make that adjustment at AAA. I think there's an argument that 
he is well served by having more time to try to uh, figure this out with in-game reps. Now, this is obviously the main reason here is the service time. Like, if by keeping him down until the end of the minor league season, the Mets will get that year back. And from a purely tactical business point of view, that makes sense. Um, but I do think there's a baseball justification for him being in AAA at this point. Like, I, I don't, I was a little put off by it initially, and then upon further reflection, thought it made sense because I had forgotten just how little time he had spent in Syracuse prior to his call up. Right. It was about 18 games, whatever it was. Yeah, it was nothing. But it was 18 games where he hit like 500 with 10 home runs. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't think, I think they. I don't want to say rushed him because I don't think they did. Like general consensus was the dude was ready mm-hmm. and he even wasn't bad for long stretch. Like I wrote an article about him saying he needs to lift the ball more, but he was an above average hitter at the time. Mm-hmm. Like he had like a one Oh five WRT plus maybe it was even higher, but it was more like, Hey, he's doing well with this, but he needs to not do this anymore. And then it all cratered and that happens. Pitchers adjust to you also, like, the 30-year-old starter is not grinding AAA tape to look at what Brett Beatty needs to, like, to get him out, you know? Like, they obviously <laughs> have the scouting report, but there's too many batters. Like, you're going to the, – the scouting report's going to be better when Spencer Strider faces him the third time, you know? And then he's going to be like, oh, well, now I know how to get him out because I'm a major league pitcher and da-da-da-da. But I don't think he was rushed. I think it was like, well, maybe he wasn't as ready as we thought, and that's okay I think people get mad when I I understand the service time stuff and that's very real, but also sometimes guys are not ready. Like both things could be true. Yep. So I don't see how yep. spending additional time in AAA is going to make him more ready. Uh, I saw something. I saw something. I was like two or three days ago. I forget if it was Beatty's home run. Or if it was Mauricio home run, I feel like it was a Mauricio home run. It was just a random, you know, stray gif that was in my feed when I was scrolling through Twitter. And either Beatty, Mauricio, whoever it was, blasted a home run. Awesome. And then if you look at the actual gif, you see that whoever the pitcher was threw him an 89 mile problem ball. You're not really getting that in the major leagues. You know what I mean? Of course not. I understand your point, but I think I disagree, honestly, with when it comes to Beatty, just because, like, is it fair to say that all of us think he can make this adjustment? Like, this is not something that he is incapable of doing? Yeah, I don't I don't think it's asking to, to fundamentally change who he is as a hitter. Right. Uh, so if this is purely an approach thing, and I don't mean overall plate approach, I mean... What's the word that I'm looking for here? Plan of attack? He has to change something, and I imagine it's difficult to do that at the major leagues. At the major league level, where the best guys are out here just carving you up. Like, I think all of us have experience trying to learn something new or tweak something. It's easier to do that in an, envir- in an environment where you're more comfortable and can test out what works and what doesn't. And... If the thought process here is, okay, we're going to send him, 
we we try to help him make this adjustment in the majors and it's clearly not working he's just it's too hard because it's the major leagues let's send him down to AAA and give him a chance to make this adjustment at an easier level and see what happens that makes sense to me right like it's an easier environment to try something new as opposed to the major leagues where Spencer Strider or or uh, Zach Wheeler or Sandy Alcantara are just going to carve you up while you're trying to to learn how to pull the ball, right? If you're trying to face off against major league pitching with a plan of attack that you're not intimately comfortable with, it's probably not going to go so well for you. And I think that's very much what we were seeing with Beatty over the last couple months before he got sent down. Yeah, I I don't disagree with any of that. I, I agree fundamentally with the concept that it's easier to learn at a lower difficulty setting, you know. I just don't see like you said, it's not something that Beatty has to fundamentally change about himself as a player that's going to need him to deal with lesser pitchers. It's not like he's learning a new pitch and he has no clue, you know, and, and starting from square one. He He's a hitter. He's a pretty good hitter. He has a good eye. You know, he, he has a good sense of the zone and everything like that. I don't think, I don't know. It, it's, I don't see him benefiting much from, going to Syracuse and spending however much time that he spends there and facing lesser quality pitchers. I think it's less... But at the same time, it's not, you know, it wasn't working with the Mets and something needed to be done. I think, at least for me, it's less that he's going down to AAA to, like, work... He is going on to... Like, you, he could work at that stuff in the major league level, of course. But... There's way more of a microscope on him if he's doing it in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think that's a big problem, too, where if he goes to AAA, 90% of the fan base is not watching him play baseball. Like, WFAN guys are not talking about him. No one is writing about him in the post or the news. And, like, we, it's hard to quantify that, but also, that's real shit for these guys. Like, Brett Beatty knows what people are saying about him on Twitter. And, he knows what he knows when he goes over four and has to talk to Anthony DeComo about going over. You know what I mean? But to, to try to do that while the Mets are as bad as they were when they were supposed to be good. And he was supposed everyone was like, call him up. He's going to fix the offense. And then he didn't, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. when you're factoring in all those things, like letting him go to Syracuse and just kind of play baseball is also, I think. Fine, like granted, they should probably call him back up. And say, hey, you got a little bit of a break. We're seeing some improvements. If he is seeing the improvements that the Mets want him to see, I think he's been he hasn't like lit the world on fire, like you said, but he's been better. Like you could call him back up for a stress free ish month in September because everyone knows it's kind of whatever. Like they should be actually losing games, but obviously no the the, the players don't care about that. Like Francisco Lindor is not gonna be like, We really need the top six pick guys, let's lose. Like that's just not how these guys are wired. And everyone else is playing for contracts and stuff. But, like, calling him back up to play third base again in, like, a week or so wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But I also understand 
kind of getting him out of the spotlight because it was kind of getting bad. Like, yeah, yeah. At some point, he's going to start to get booed, and then when you're like 21 and getting booed by a bunch of strangers, you're probably like, "What the hell is this?" You know, like it's tough. The mental, the mental aspect of this of that stuff is really tough too. And wow. that's why I wish they IL'd him to just be like, "Hey, take a break." Chill I'm out. gonna, I'm gonna do my part then, from now on. And <laughs> when I go to Cyclones games. Binghamton games, the occasional <laughs> Syracuse game, but I think they're veterans at that point. But and maybe I will fly down. I will fly down to Port St. Lucie. I will mercilessly boo the hell out of it, all these guys. Yeah, you do it exactly, exactly. <laughs> can I can I do a complete aside for a moment on the topic of booing your own players? Sure. Because I was at a game. I was at the game yesterday. I am not one of those people that says you can never boo your own players. I think there are absolutely times where it's merited, um, particularly when you have a team that's supposed to be good and high high value players who are underperforming. Uh, sometimes it's very fair to boo obvious errors in the field. Like I think there are times where it is okay to boo, and as a fan, you're paying for the right to do that, and the players are out there to to they're an entertainment product on some level, right? Like I, that, that's at least my take on it. That said, there are definitely times when it's real shitty to boo. Why are we booing Carlos Carrasco off the mound at this point in his career? I, I, I was a little bothered by this yesterday. It's like this dude is universally beloved. It seems throughout the game has given plenty to this team and baseball as a whole. And is very clearly just a veteran who's cooked at the end of his career, just playing out the string. Why, why the vitriol for this dude in loss? I'd even get it if the if this Mets team was trying to be good, but they're very clearly not. So yeah, that's the if. Are you gonna you know, Tom Glavin, game one sixty two, his ass, right? Boo, <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> Carlos Carrasco game, what is this, like 130, game who whatever? Game cares? Right, where the team is literally in last place, like 10 games, 20 games back, whatever. Exactly, who cares? You don't need to go after the guys. This is a total, total non sequitur, but this just got, this really grinded my gears yesterday sitting in the stands. No, nope. save your booze for the minor leaguers then. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go down. I'll, I'll make a trip out to uh, Brooklyn and start booing uh, <laughs> the various prospects out there just to get them ready for what's exactly. coming. Exactly. You know what? Should teams should teams incorporate this into their minor league development plan? Just hire hecklers to sit in the stands <laughs> and boo guys to better prepare them for the major leagues. Just do like a what is it, Clockwork Orange? Where you just strapped into the chair. Oh, Ludovico technique, but with booing. Right. Just, just <laughs> brilliant. Just desensitize everyone to it. All right. So yes, Brad Beatty is my first guy. Uh, second one, I'm gonna say Nate Lavender. Yeah, he's yeah. the pitcher. I think that is the obvious answer. Yeah. The only thing with him is he needs to be added to the 40 man. But and you know, there's a lot of dead weight. You can you can remove guys and not care. I don't think it's that difficult to figure out a way to get him on the 40, to be honest yeah. with you. And he's who's I think there's only what Brooks Brooks Raley is the only left hander in the pen. Because Peterson's he, in the rotation now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Peterson. 
Well, he's in the rotation, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have Lucchese, but, I mean, I'd rather have him start anyway. Either at AAA or Major League level, whatever. So, I mean, Lavender is, like, the only other left-handed bullpen option in reality. He's having a pretty good season. Throw him to the fire. I mean, it's not even much of a fire. Call him up and see if you've got something for next season. Yeah, like, that's the thing that annoys me more than anything else about it. Like, the Mets are going to, again, need a million relievers and stuff, and that's just kind of the way of how it's going with their organization right now. They're just not ready to make them in the minors, for lack of a better term, develop them. But, like, Lavender's a guy who looks like he deserves a shot to see. Like, even if he's the last guy in your pen, whatever. Like, that's one less guy you have to worry about next year. And it's not like they're playing for any stakes right now. So. No, yeah, I, I'm with you on him. But I, I think he should have been up months ago. I think. Me right. And, I, mean, I feel like He's, me and Lucas were saying that for months now. I think he definitely should have. Clearly, he was not called. There's no one more deserving at this point. Yeah, just From looking pitching, around. Yeah. I'm not getting excited about uh, calling up. Uh, I don't know, Vinny Natoli again or anything. Yeah, yeah, like you could maybe, I think the other name, the only other person pitcher I can think of you could say is Vassal to get him some starts. But if he's at the end of his innings limit rope because this is the most he's ever pitched, then I kind of understand not wanting to do that in the big leagues. But if he's not, then you can call him up for like a few spot starts or something. But also, I think they're trying to let Carrasco kind of retire on his terms which is a nice thing to do, like a nice little gesture. Like, let the guy play out his last month as a major leaguer and not DFA him and kind of let it end unceremoniously. Mm-hmm. Um, Those are my two. I will I will throw in another name here on the pitching side. Um, I would not totally hate giving... Uh, uh, Dominic Hamill a look. Now, I'm the Dominic Hamill fanboy, but he's been quite good in double-A, um, at least from a strikeout perspective. I know his ERA is in the fours, but the peripherals are better than that. I have always really liked the stuff relative to what he is. And he's also 24. Like, you're gonna. Ha- he's not. You don't have to add him to the forty man until next off season. I don't think so. That's that's a consideration. Um, but I, I think. I mean, at a minimum, I would push him up to AAA to to finish out the season. But realistically, I would not hate getting a look at him for a couple starts uh, down the stretch here. Um, Vassal should probably come first unless he's gassed, which is possible. Um, but if 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 Vassal is gassed and uh, you do want to get another arm up, and maybe like maybe that was Carrasco's last start. It very well might have been. Uh, Hamill would be a logical guy to me to to take a look at here and see what he can be for you um, next year. Um, I mean, I still like the this Seth Lugo is an underappreciated, underrated pitcher. Like Seth Lugo is actually quite good. I still see that as something of a nice like. 75th percentile come for Dominique Campbell here, like someone who could swing back and forth and, and work in both roles. Um, 
that's a nice piece to have if he is. That'd be that. nice. Yeah. So I, I would like to see if he's anywhere close to that yet or has the potential to get there. Yeah, I mean, that's the more traditional, you know, September cola back in the day when you could just kind of call anyone up and give, you know, some young starters some starts. And the Mets are in the situation where it's not like wins or losses matter. So mm-hmm. want to call up one of the, you know, be it Hamill, be it Vassal, call someone up. Well, not Stewart, I don't think, but. Nah, we're none, of us, none of us think Stewart is good, so. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you want to call someone up and give him a couple of starts, like, well, now is the time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, before spring training next year. And, I and wouldn't the, the, the Mets are in a pretty unique situation, I think, where <clears throat> they they need to, they're bad, and they have some guys at the upper level. Like, Drew Gilbert is tearing up double A. He does not need to be even talked about here. You know what I mean? Like, they're really interesting guys are too far away for this, but there's intermediate guys who they could get be getting looks at because they're trying to win immediately. Like, the Mets have told us a million times over and over again that 2024, while it might not be them, unless they sign Otani, spending like $80 million trillion on everyone, they're going to try to win a playoff spot next year. Like, that's the goal. And the way you do that is figuring out if any of these guys are good. <laughs> you know? Like, even Mauricio, like, I don't think necessarily he should get called up because I don't know if he's ready. Like, he was obviously around league average most of the year in AAA, even though the numbers look really great on paper. It's one of those things where when you factor it in the league, it looks a little worse. But if they call him him up for three weeks to kind of get him acclimated to the majors and see what they see how that goes, I wouldn't hate it. Like, there's some guys who they could call up. And I think there's a, I think Beatty should be up. I think Lavender should have been up a while ago. Vassal, I think you can. I don't know if I would. It depends on where he is in his pitching program. But they're in an interesting spot because right, these guys could contribute to the next winning team, which is supposed to be next year. It's not like the next winning team is four years away where you need to worry about service time for these guys. Like, you kind of don't mm-hmm. because you kind of need to see if they're good now. Like, if you wasted a year of Nate Lavender's service time but you found, in a lost season, but you found out that he could get out lefties and righties at the major league level, I'll take that trade off because you're trying to be a wildcard team in 2024. You're not trying to be 60 and 100, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a I had a hitter, but I want to throw it in honorable mention. Um, Luke Ritter should have really been up. I know. I feel bad for him. And for those of you who aren't aware, Luke Ritter is leading the Mets minor leagues in home runs, but seemingly hurt his shoulder. I have not seen oh, how oh, severe that that is. Um but like you, you build up goodwill with with your minor league depth guys, both veteran and late round cheap draft picks by giving them a shot in these scenarios. I mean one of I, I'm by no means a an actually good baseball writer, but one of the things I enjoy that I wrote was a, a random season recap for Drew Gagno years ago. Oh <laughs> being like right after and it was the year he actually made his debut. And the whole point was like, yeah, the Mets sucked. It sucked. None of us wanted to see Drew Gagno. He's not good. But for him, this was like the best moment of his life because he made the major leagues. And 
when you're a bad team playing out the stretch, I think you should be giving as many dudes as possible that chance because a, it's fun. B it's arguably the right thing to do. And that, but C from a practical perspective, it builds up the, like some, some minor league veteran who has some interesting trades is going to be like, well, uh, I know the Mets are treat treat their minor leaguers well, so maybe I'm more likely <laughs> to sign with them for less money or something. Like, I I I, I wish. I mean, there's still time for them to do this with a couple other guys. I wish they had closing. done it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wish I wish they had done this with Ritter immediately. I hope his injury is not like I don't. I again, I haven't read if it's season ending. I hope he can come back and at least get up to the majors for for a week or something. Um, but he was my the the honorable mention guy just because he's if he had not been hurt he would have been the the hitter name I threw in here. Mm. All right, Kenneth Thomas, who are you two guys? It's hard because I was I was looking at their that Syracuse's roster and like a lot of the in, the 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 quad A guys I guess the best the nicest way to put it are already up like they're already there I know like. I think to Lucas's point, when you mentioned the minor league free agents, I think the priority uh, minor league signings like the DJ Stewart's will see that the Mets gave DJ Stewart a very long leash at the major league level and be like, oh, nice. And Abraham Almonte and stuff like that. So I think that also works in that way, too. Mm-hmm. But I'd probably I, I don't want to steal yours, but Baby and Lavender should both be up. I've been saying Lavender for months now. I thought he should have been up when they were trying to win because relievers he's. I think I don't remember how old he is off the top of my head, but I'm checking right now. He is 24. Yeah. So it's not like 23, 24, born in 2000. So it's not like he is 19 and you're like, you know, I mean, if he's 23 and he's a reliever at AAA, he's ready to see what he's about. Beatty should be up because I think while sending him down makes sense, I also think him getting more reps at the major league level in September also makes sense. Maybe you could wait a little bit on that and call up somebody else. In the meantime, you could call up a Joe Swosey or something like that to kind of give him his cup of coffee and then see what happens. Maybe Vientos, they kind of, I think they rushed them back a little bit. Like maybe Vientos is too hurt and he just can't play for the rest of the season. Then you could call Beatty up for him. But yeah, it's just, it's, they're in a weird spot because AAA is a lot of the, like I would have been like, call up DJ Stewart and let him rock. But he's already here, and he's kind of good. He's well, obviously he's not. We know what DJ Stewart is, but I think it would be Beatty and Lavender for me, with Vassal as if you want him to get a few starts to really see what if he could. I don't say compete for the fifth starter job next year. I don't think they should do that, but be the sixth guy or the seventh guy because that's going to be needed. Every year we say that we don't want to use those guys, and then they get 15 starts because pitchers break. <laughs> yes, they it's do. just true. It's it's the nature of the of the position yep ken who are you two guys uh i have two kind of silly ones um first one very simply uh, i like the idea of having a third catcher solely so that um maybe you could give alvarez a few extra days off behind the plate and um you know not be afraid to only have you know one catcher so you could dh him and still have somebody okay, on the yeah. bench, so I figured uh, Michael Perez might be inter- nice just from a sole perspective of um, wanting to c- 
continue to shove at bats in Francisco Alvarez's face without um, subjecting him always to the rigors of, of catching and you know kneeling behind the plate all day. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, so that's a, that's a simple one. Uh, the other one, not that I think he deserves it, but at this point, I don't think we're going to be fighting over Ronnie Mauricio's service time. Just call him up for a little bit. I was about um, to, if you didn't pick him, I was about to say, wow, it's surprising that no one had Mauricio. I, I just think Triple uh, A fatigue is a thing. This is a relatively low stakes, uh, you know, way to bring him up with with no pressure. Let him get a few at bats. Uh, at this point, I think it's more likely he ends up like a good bench piece, uh, or like like a good outcome for him would be like a, a role player. So might as well just ro- rotate him in now. And that could get him used to that. Like, yeah, if, yeah. if he comes off the bench for a month and he could do a few things, then you could be like, hey, this could be your role next year. And he's kind of already used to not playing every day and stuff. Also, yeah. it gets him around major league players, and it's a whole different experience than Syracuse. Mostly, I'm just, I, I still don't like that they did the whole, um, you know, he, he's given up. Thing. He's that was trying thing. That was media, so. Wait, what? Who does that serve exactly? It serves no one. It serves the Mets no to be assholes. <laughs> like it, it doesn't, doesn't even serve the Mets good. though. Yeah. Uh, it's basically like a shut up to all the prospect people on Twitter who are saying yep, Ronnie. That's really It's so it's so self sabotaging too though, right? Like, cause l- let's play this out, like. Uh, you either sincerely believe that telling this guy to suck it up and quit whining will make him play better, in which case, why do you believe that? Um, and that's why you do this. Or, to your guys' point, and this seems more realistic, you're trying to make the prospect people shut up. But that all that indicates is that you don't actually like this prospect, and so you go out and publicly neg his value. Yep. If anything, you should what? be lying in the other way. If yes! You don't, if, <laughs> if, if you really do think this, then you should be telling Mike Puma that he is the best, hardest worker in the world because you want to trade him. Like, all this does is make you look like an asshole. <laughs> you know what the Padres do to the media? They pump up every single one of their fucking prospects to the moon to the point. Now, they also draft good prospects, but their prospect rankings are always hyper-juiced because A.J. Preller is out there talking to anyone who listens saying, oh, this guy's the next big star. And the Mets, oh. and then they trade them for Juan Soto. Meanwhile, the Mets are out here... <laughs> Saying, oh, this Ronnie Mauricio guy stinks. You want to trade for him? What? Also, think about it from Mauricio's perspective. Like, you're 20-whatever, you're a young kid, and then I'm sure people have sent him that article. And are like, could you imagine your employer going to, like, the the New York Daily News or the Post? I don't remember which one Puma writes for. I think it's the news. Who knows and, and or cares? Yeah. yeah. And just, like shitting all over you for like nothing for in the middle of a lost season for no reason i'd be like what the fuck you know what i mean like it's so shitty to do to one of your players that you're supposed to be if anything the organization should should be building up these guys not not tearing them down in the media for nothing and it's the same thing what the mets used to do years ago when when justin turner would leave and they would talk about how bad of a locker room uh a clubhouse guy he was which is obviously not true as evidenced by every everything that's happened since in his career. Like every locker room loves him because 
he seems like a good vibes guy. But, like, the Mets do this shit all the time and used to, and I thought that shit was over. And then they were like, remember. You thought this, wrong, bitch. This is still the New York <laughs> media, baby, and we they will write stuff if someone wants to write it. We can tell them to write it, and they will, because I'm sure they shopped that around, and Puma took it, but... It, it's just fucking... It's so fucking wild to me, right? Like, I... You should never take what teams say for granted, like, because they have agendas, but they're shooting them... So they're they're putting out information that goes against the, their own agenda. It's 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 insane. Just so they could be a dick to a kid. It, it's it's. I, 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 and like, great. are they mad at him because he's not hitting better? Because going to the paper and and saying that is not exactly gonna help. It's not like he's gonna be like, oh well, that's the motivation I needed. Thanks, Billy Epler. I don't know who even said it to him. It could be anyone. But I don't know. It's just a shitty thing to do to a kid <laughs> for no reason. Like it's. It's like, when I read it, I was like, the deadline's passed, too? It's like, what? what is this even for? Like, you're just doing it to be mad? It's I don't petty. know. It's just yeah. a petty thing to do. It's not like another thing. Don't tell anyone I got mad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Typical Mets. Some habits, you know, they just, you can't shake them. Yeah, that, that one felt particularly nasty to me. Just, like, the timing of it. It's the middle of August or early August. It's, I don't know. Some about felt real gross. Like, that that stuff always is gross, but that one felt gross, gross. Uh, he took a stray. <sighs> so, yeah. Um, I've got one September. more here. Oh, sure. If you don't mind. Yeah, because Rudick was my, was my honorary dude. Yeah, he um, did. Or, excuse me. Red, uh, I just spoiled it. Red, Ritter was my honorary dude. Rudick is the guy I think I'd like to see. Well, he did, so yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> Everyone I wanted to see is dead. <laughs> is Rudick still is he even still I thought he came back uh, already. He, he came back and then I don't remember if he played like a handful of games in rehab and then stopped, or if he played a few games after the oh, rehab fuck, but he stopped right. again. Yeah. I hadn't realized he stopped again. Never mind. Yep. <sighs> Another what? thing the Mets can't get out of the old habits of uh Shitting their own people and can't get out of the old habits of <laughs> injuries and injuries and injuries. This time next year, though, this conversation is going to be real fun. When Gilbert and Acuna are in AAA, assuming they're still here, then you can be like, ah, September push for these prospects because they're going to need a little bit more time, you know. But that's when that's when this conversation could get real fun. But that's when the conversation. Give Brandon, give Brandon McIlwain a go then. Yeah, like you could do that stuff too, just to kind of extend an olive branch and be nice to a guy. McIlwain is a 142 weighted in 20 games at AAA with a one-to-one strike is strikeout to walk ratio and uh, four homers in 86 plate appearances. Yeah. His, his season kind of was weird. Like yeah. his whole career path has been weird. I mean, he's, I really liked that pick too. I thought it was very interesting. He's a weird guy, but yeah, like he did really good last year at the beginning and then he really sucked it at double a and i was just kind of like oh they figured him out but he he made the adjustments and you know he wasn't bad at triple in double a this year he's holding his own and then some in triple a like he might be uh tebow reborn 
I'm gonna, uh, how dare you besmirch the name of Tebow? How I was can trying... you compare these mere mortals to the divine presence of I was trying... Tebow? I was trying to remember the, uh, the, the, the Game of Thrones term for like the, the chosen one that Jon Snow was supposed to be. Based <laughs> on prince the old that life. was promised? Yeah. yeah prince like, prince like... who was promised? Some nerd that was is... promised. I that know was there promised, was like yeah. some there was some like Valerian term for it or whatever. Uh, it's uh, I don't speak Valerian because uh, <laughs> it was prince or princess that was fuck. I'm googling. I don't it now. speak Valerian. I don't speak Valerian. Your high, my high Valerian <laughs> is. Uh, I uh, could see when the Mets are not in it and the season's it was, almost over. It was like Rezor Raz or something like that. Yeah, I know, I know you're close. Yes, I know what you're I, talking about. You're close. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, my Valerian isn't that bad then. I haven't lost it. But yeah, like, <laughs> Tivo was supposed to be that, and he wasn't. Maybe it's McIlwain. Maybe he is supposed to be the one that was promised. The number one Mets High Valerian podcast. <laughs> there are no others. <laughs> Fuck, I can't find it. How can How is this not easily, easily Googleable? <laughs> This is going to piss me off now. Maybe the prince who was promised was the friends we made along the way, guys. Oh, God. <laughs> Has anyone considered that? Well, how about this? If you know the term, email the pod. <laughs> oh, good one. Yes. <sighs> if anyone does know that, please email us at complex, from Complex the Queen S. Let me, let me just, oh, my God. Our email address is fromcomplexthequeens at gmail.com. If you know the answer to that, if you know the answer to any of the other questions that we have, and we have a lot of questions, send us emails with answers because we need answers to life. <laughs> or if you want to send us answers on Twitter, I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at said Season as ZN. You can subscribe to our podcast. Wherever you get your podcast from, rate and review it, and listen to all of the questions that we have, and then send us answers, and we thank you for that. We are Patreon-based, so if you do like our podcast, if you like any of the other ones in the Homer and Apple Network, you can subscribe for the low, low price of just $5 a month. Um, And, yeah, we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets, love the Mets.